There is some truth in the Bible about your life and about my life, some things that, that we can apply on a regular basis, on a daily basis, uh, to help us live life in a way that honors God and pleases Him. In fact, one of my favorite passages of Scripture, Jesus says this. He says, it says, so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. So there's this idea that, that understanding his word and understanding his truth is what really makes us, abiding in it is what makes us his disciples. But then he goes on to say this famous passage that we all know, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And so as we continue on in our message series, The Drift, talking about how we drift away from God and how God brings us back uh, to himself, today's message is going to be on this idea of the truth drift, how we drift away from the truth and how God brings us back to the truth. It's going to be a simple message um, that I hope will help you in your daily life. I'm also going to give you a link to a tool that you can use at the end of this message, but we'll talk about that more uh, in just a moment. But again, I'm just thankful that we are able to, to talk about such an important topic. As Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Before we dive into this, um, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your people, Lord, I pray that you would reveal your truth to us. I thank you that you have sent your Holy Spirit and you call him the spirit of truth. And you said that he would guide us in all truth. So I pray over your people right now that your Holy Spirit would guide them in all truth as we uncover your word and dive into the text today. I pray that you would be with us in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. All right. So we're going to start this in a, in a funny kind of way. We're going to talk about truth, and that's a big word. We got this idea of truth, right? And I'm going to give you uh, some truths in the world today. And here's one. iPhones are better than Android phones. That's truth. That is 100% truth. You green bubble people, you know we're not friends. I even wear blue shirts because I want blue bubbles on my phone, that is truth. Chick-fil-A chicken sandwiches are the best. That is truth. It's Jesus chicken. How could you argue with that? Although I did have a Popeye sandwich one time, and that thing was good when it's hot. But when you get one that it ain't quite right, mm, Chick-fil-A is the best. That is truth. I don't know if you grew up a sneakerhead or not, but you know when I grew up at Nikes were the best. They were, that's truth. I mean, now kids wear Vans and Adidas and all types of other stuff, but in my day, you wore some Nike Air Jordans, or you got beat up on the playground. That was just the truth. My barber has a saying that he loves to say that a lie don't care who tell it, and that is truth. Anybody can speak a lie. Even Satan, the father of lies, he comes in, he speaks lies to us to kind of get us away from God's word. But truth is this, is this big word, and I know those things that I just threw out to you uh, about the iPhone, about Chick-fil-A, and about Nike— I know those aren't technically truths. Those are my opinion. But you see what happens is oftentimes we will turn our opinion into the truth and we will state it like it's a fact. And that's how we drift away from the truth. Now, today's passage, the passage we're going to be in, you can go ahead and turn your Bibles to the book of 2 Timothy. We're going to be in chapter 3. And like I said, today's message is going to be pretty concise. I'm just going to break down a passage of scripture to you uh, for you. It's about seven or eight verses um, and just to give you some context on what we're going to be talking about here, the book of 2 Timothy was written by the apostle Paul. It was written late in his life to Timothy, who was kind of his protege. And Paul and Timothy had this 10 to 15 year relationship where Paul kind of mentored Timothy to prepare Timothy for the work of ministry. And we're going to see that in, in some of what we read today. The recipient of the letter, of course, is 
Timothy, Paul's mentee, Timothy at this time, I believe, was a pastor at the church in Ephesus, and Paul had prepared him for that ministerial work. And so this letter is kind of, kind of a commissioning, if you will. It's kind of a, a commissioning and a challenge to Timothy to lead well in this context. The situation is Paul is preparing him for pastoral training. Again, Paul is at the end of his life. He knows that his time is almost done. He even makes mention of that in this letter at one point. He says, I've been poured out like a drink offering, like my time here is almost done, Timothy. You're going to be on your own. And so what that really tells me is what we're about to read, we need to pay close attention to because for someone like Paul who had this, 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 this amazing role in the church and establishing the church, if these are his last words to his closest protege, we need to pay attention because this is him saying, if you don't catch anything else, catch this. Now, the type of scripture that this is is a principle, and a principle means that it applies to all of us. Like, we can all read this and pull principles out of it. You don't have to worry about this idea or that's, that's for Old Testament people or that's only for this group of people. Although this letter was written to Timothy, you and I can all pull principles out of this. And we're going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Uh, we're going to start reading in verse 14, and we're going to end up going through chapter 4, verse 5 today. I know that sounds like a lot, but it's really only about seven or eight verses. But you can go ahead and turn there, 2 Timothy 3, 14. And it says this, he says, but as for you, and this is again, Paul talking to Timothy, he says, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed. <clears throat> Excuse me. So Paul right here off the top is saying, Timothy, look, I know you have been taught some things. I have spent some time with you. I have been teaching you things over these years, and you have firmly believed it. And he's saying, so continue in these things that you have learned and firmly believed. And then he even adds on this idea of knowing whom you have learned it from, because again, he's pulling on that relationship. He's saying, so continue in what you've learned, those things that I've taught you over these years, those things that you've learned from your grandmother, Lois, who is a Christian, and the other believers around you. Continue in those things that you have learned and those things that you have firmly believed. And I think there's a reason he makes that distinction, like, hey, this isn't just something that, that is haphazard. This isn't just some myth or fable. This is something that you have firmly believed, that you have grasped onto, and that you're living your life by. Knowing from whom you learned it. Again, this is me Paul, the apostle uh, sent by God to bring the gospel to the Gentiles, and you, Timothy, being part Greek, a Gentile, like you've learned this from me. He goes, and, and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, talking about biblical texts, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So if we go back to this firmly believed thing, this is the key message that Paul sends to everybody. It's like, hey, this, this salvation through faith in Christ Jesus, this thing that you have firmly believed is attached to faith in Christ Jesus. Don't ever forget that. But then he goes on to this verse and he says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. All scripture all of it, the totality of Scripture is breathed out by God. And when you see that phrase breathed out, what it really means is that, that God breathed life almost. He spoke life into these authors, into these biblical writers, that his Holy Spirit anointed them and gave them the words to say so that the words you read on these pages are as though God himself wrote those words, like he spoke those words out, he breathed those words out. And then he goes on to say, and it's profitable for teaching, 
so it's profitable for what we are doing here today. We are teaching or exposing God's word. We are bringing out the truth in it. He says it's profitable for reproof, and reproof is almost this idea of, hey, let me show you the right way to do things. Like you, it's, it's, it's almost a rebuke in a sense, like you're going the wrong way. Let me bring you back to the right way. And then he says for correction, and I know they kind of sound the same, but the implication here behind this word correction is almost restoration. So, hey, let me reproof you. Let me reprove you like you were going the wrong way. Let me grab you and bring you back. And now let me correct you. Let me restore you. So now this is the right way to go. And this is how we go that way. And this is how you grow in that direction. And for training in righteousness, which to me is awesome because it implies that there's this idea that righteousness is just not something we are endowed with right? It's just not something that when you say, hey, I trust Jesus as my Lord and Savior, now all of a sudden I'm righteous, although we are made righteous by the blood of Jesus. But Paul presents this idea of training in righteousness. This means that we need to practice it every day. We need to treat it as though we're an athlete and we're going to the gym and we're working out and we're being consistent and we're doing the things that train us to be righteous that the man or woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Think about this idea of complete. And complete is used in two different ways here. Complete as in all scripture, all of it, the totality of it, and then completeness in the sense of if you understand this and if you abide by it, then you'll be complete, equipped for every good work. And when I read that phrase, good work, it actually made me think about Tyler McDonald's message last week. If you didn't get a chance to catch that, I highly recommend you go back and watch it. Tyler is one of the elders here at Seven Cities, and he brought a message on how we drift from purpose. And in that message, he talked about Ephesians 2.10, how we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. But oftentimes we drift away from them because we stop seeing people. But this is telling me that if I understand that all scripture is breathed out by God and I'm taught by it and I'm reproved by it and I'm corrected by it and I'm trained by it, then I won't mess up in those good works. I will see the good works that God has prepared in advance that he's laid out before me so that I can walk in them. So you see how this all ties together, this idea that all scripture breathed out by God. And when we obey it, Jesus said, if you abide in my word and my word abide in you, you will be my disciples, right? So if we obey all scripture, if, if, if we learn from it when we're being taught, if we're corrected by it, when it corrects us, if we trained in it, we'll be complete and equipped for every good work. Paul goes on to say in Timothy, now we're jumping into chapter four. He says, I charge you. So this is Paul. Now we're getting to that place where he's going to challenge Timothy. He's just explained scripture to him. Now he's saying, I'm going to challenge you. He says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge, who is to judge the living and the dead. And by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. So Paul has just told Timothy that all scripture is profitable. All of it is profitable for teaching and for reproof and correction and training and righteousness so that you can make disciples who are complete, equipped for every good work. So he's saying, Timothy, the way that you do that now, I charge you, preach the word, preach the word, preach the whole counsel of God. And that's something that Pastor Brian and I try to do here at Seven Cities. And when when guys like Tyler or Caleb come up and they speak as well, our challenge, our charge is to preach 
the word to be ready in season and out of season. That means no matter where you're going, no matter what's going on in your life, no matter what you're doing, Timothy, always preach the word, always be ready in season and out of season. Here's this word again, like reproof. So he says reprove. That means when you see people making mistakes, you get them and you bring them back on the right path. You correct them and you do that by rebuking them. You rebuke them. But he gives Timothy instruction in another place because Timothy's a young guy, right? Think Cam, our worship leader. He's a young guy. And so he says, Timothy, specifically, when you rebuke an older man, go to them as a father, a younger man as a brother. So he gives Timothy this instruction on how to rebuke people. And then he says, and exhort or to build up, to encourage with complete patience and, t- and teaching. So we have all scripture breathed out by God that Paul has charged Timothy to preach and teach to the people at the church that he's leading. And so here you have this example where Paul is telling Timothy, like, this is what you're supposed to do. This is how you lead a church. And you may be thinking to yourself, Jay, I don't lead a church. That's your job and Pastor Brian's job, and I get that. But we are all ministers in our home and in our workplace, in our families, in our communities. And in that sense, we are leaders, and we have this same charge to understand that all Scripture is breathed out by God and that all Scripture is profitable for teaching and reproof and correction and training and righteousness so that as we're out making disciples like Jesus commanded us, to, we can make sure that those disciples are complete and equipped for every good work. Remember in the Great Commission, Jesus said that go make disciples, baptize them, and teach them. Baptize and teach. And so we are called to do that as disciples who make disciples. The problem is is that sometimes, though, we drift from the truth. And that's what we're really going to talk about as we dive into this a little bit more today. And this question, how do we drift from the truth? How do you and I get to a place where we understand, excuse me, like Paul said to Timothy, all scriptures breathed out by God and it's profitable, but how do you and I get to a place where we drift from that? How do we get to a place where we no longer follow the fact that all scriptures breathed out by God and profitable? How do we get to a place where we forget what Jesus said, abide in my word, and if it abide in you, you will be my disciples? How do we get to a place where we drift from the truth? And there are two things here that we do that cause us to drift from the truth. And the first one is this. We rewrite Scripture. We rewrite Scripture. No, not, we may not physically be rewriting the book, but we're editing what God says in some way. We rewrite Scripture. Look at what Paul goes on to say to Timothy in verse 3 of chapter 4. He says, For the time is coming where people will not endure sound doctrine. Because here's the deal, guys. Sometimes sound doctrine doesn't really work for us. Like, we don't like the way it sounds. (laughs) That sounds like a pun, but we don't like the way it sounds. We don't like the way it feels. We don't like what it's asking us to do. So when we hear this sound doctrine, we decide that we want to rewrite it. We decide that, you know what, God, maybe that's what you meant 2,000 years ago, but you don't really mean that for me today. We decide that, you know what, God, I know that you say that creation happened like this and that Jesus lived a perfect life and that he died and that he was raised from the grave, but I don't know that it really happened that way. We decide we want to rewrite write scripture. He says, for the time is coming where people will not endure sound doctrine, but will have itching ears, itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers that suit their own passions. I love that analogy, these itching ears, because if you've ever had an itch, you know that all you want to do is you just want to scratch it. Like you don't feel comfort. You can't relax or anything until you scratch that itch. And so you have these people whose ears are itching that way. And so they accumulate for themselves teachers who will basically tell them what they want to hear 
to suit their own passions. So again, Paul is saying like, look, you have these people. They don't want to hear sound doctrine because sound doctrine says, hey, husband, don't cheat on your wife, but they want to cheat on their wife. Sound doctrine says, hey, hey, person who who wants to go out and do this wrong thing. You can't go out and do that wrong thing. And so they want to do it. So they, they don't want to hear that. So they find, they find someone who's going to tell them what they want to hear. Sound doctrine says, hey, you can't go out and, and be unjust to people, but they want to be unjust. And so they find someone who's going to say what they want to hear. Sound doctrine says, hey, a homosexual lifestyle is, is not a godly lifestyle, but they don't want to hear that. So they go out and find someone who's going to say, what they want to hear. They, they, they want to go out. They want to have abortions. They want to do this other stuff. And so they're going to find someone who says, hey, all of those things are okay. Although it contradicts what God's word says. But remember, all scripture is breathed out by God. It doesn't just say the happy parts, not just the happy Psalms, but the Psalms where, where David and the other psalmists are depressed and they're broken and hurting. It doesn't just say that the scriptures about blessings and promises are breathed out by God, but also the Ten Commandments that you can't murder, you can't do these other things, you can't steal, you shouldn't covet your neighbor's wife. All those are breathed out by God. And so what we have is this, this dichotomy where you have these people, and we do this a lot ourselves, church, if we're honest. We want the blessings, we want the happy parts, we want the good parts. But we don't want to take the other parts that we don't find so happy. And so we don't endure sound doctrine. But what we do is we have these itching ears, our, our flesh, our desires, our passions want to pursue something else. And so we want to follow that. And so what we do is we find teachers who will tell us the wrong things that we're doing are okay when they're not. And those teachers are paving a pathway to hell for the people who are following so Paul's telling Timothy, he says, you, these people are going to want to rewrite scripture. They're going to want to edit God. The time is coming where they're not going to want to endure what God has already said. They're going to want to rewrite what he has said. And then they're going to find teachers who will teach them those things so that they can fulfill their passions. And when that's not enough, Timothy, when rewriting God is not enough, then these people are going to go on to do the second thing that we do to drift from the truth. They're going to reject scripture. We reject it. So rewriting it wasn't enough because in all honesty, we can't rewrite enough of it to make the thing, the wrong things we want to do okay. And so now what we're going to do is we're just going to reject it altogether. We're going to say that scripture is not accurate. It doesn't apply. This is an old book. It's a bunch of history and fables and analogies and stuff like that. And this is not really God's word. This is not God speaking to us. It does not have any authority. And so we reject scripture, although scripture itself says that all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable. We decide that, you know what? It's not breathed out by God. He didn't write this. This couldn't come from a loving God, and it's not profitable for me because I I want to go out and fulfill my pleasures, and I can't do those things if I follow what this book says, so we reject Scripture. And Paul says to Timothy, not only will they not endure sound doctrine, and not only will they find teachers who will tell them what they want to hear, but they'll turn away from listening to the truth. And we see that in our society. We see that in our culture. I've seen that 
personally with people that I saw that I thought were faithful and following God for years, and then something came up in their life, and sound doctrine said, this thing in your life should not be in your life. And instead of turning away from that thing that sound doctrine said was wrong, they turned away from listening to the truth, and they walk away from church, they walk away from the people of God, and now I see those people, and they're living a life far from God, and they're broken, and they're hurting, and they're destitute, and they desperately need the love and compassion of God in their life. But the good news about the gospel of Jesus Christ is this. Those people can always come home. Think about the prodigal son who went out and squandered his inheritance. When he came back, the father was there with open arms, right? And so these people who turn away from listening to the truth, these people who wander off into myths and start following things that aren't true because those things line up more with their personal thoughts, with culture and and, and their religion than they do with the word of God, those people can still come home. So it's important for you and me, church, it's important that we understand that all scriptures breathed out by God and profitable. It's important that, like Timothy, we preach the word, that we're ready in season and out of season, and that we stick to the word of God. It's important, church, that like Jesus told us, that his word abide in us and that we abide in it so that we will be his disciples and then we will know the truth and the truth will set us free. And honestly, church, the reason so many of us live in spiritual and mental and emotional bondage is because we have not fully embraced and accepted accepted the word of God in our life. We have not fully known the truth and the truth of the word of God has not fully set us free. Although whom the son sets free is free indeed. So we should be free, but we're not living as free because we want to endure sound doctrine. And so we allow things to stay attached to us. We allow things to stay in our life. We drift from the truth in pursuit of our pleasure. And so then that brings us up to this question. How do we return to the truth? How do we get back to this place of truth? How do we get back to the truth that God has called us to? And the answer is simple, and this is only one thing. We obey Scripture. We obey Scripture. Look at what Paul says to Timothy again in this challenge, in this charge to his protege. He says, as for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. This phrase, sober-minded, jumps out at me because in 2 Timothy 1.7, Paul tells Timothy that God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind, that God has made us sober-mounted. He's given us a sound mind so that we can endure sound doctrine. He says, be sober-minded. He says, endure suffering, creating this image that this is a process that we're going to have to endure. And sometimes suffering doesn't always come from the outside. Sometimes this suffering is us having to reject the things that our flesh wants to pursue because sound doctrine says that those things are wrong for us, for our human flesh. That is suffering, and we have to endure that. He says, do the work of an evangelist, which means, Timothy, go out and share your faith. Don't just preach the word and be ready in season and out of season to to reprove and, and rebuke and exhort, but go out and share your faith. Tell people about the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Go out and present the gospel to people so that they might get saved and experience his grace and his mercy themselves. And he says, fulfill your ministry. So this thing that God has called you to, Timothy, you go out and fulfill it. And church, this would be my charge to you would be to be, to be sober-minded, to not get tossed 
to and fro by every wind of doctrine that comes your way to endure suffering, to endure those moments where the things you want to do in life don't line up with Scripture. And you say, God, I'm going to sacrifice those things to you so that I can follow you more fully. And I'm going to endure the persecution that comes because I'm unwilling to say that these things in the world are okay when your word says that they're not. I'm going to stand firm on your word and I'm going to hold true and I'm going to endure suffering. Lord, I'm going to do, I'm going to serve, I'm going to give, I'm going to be active in the work of an evangelist. I'm going to share my faith. I'm going to lead people to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ so that they may come know you and have a relationship with you. And I'm going to fulfill the ministry you've given me. And that calling may be different for me than it is for you. It may be different for each of us, but our our call is to fulfill the ministry given to us. And if that ministry is to be a mom of godly kids, then fulfill that ministry. If that ministry is to be the pastor of a church, then fulfill that ministry. If that ministry is to faithfully lead a city home and shepherd the people in your home, then fulfill that ministry. If that ministry is to be the best school teacher or best nurse or best shipyard worker or, or best bus driver or whatever it is that you do in life, fulfill that ministry because, again, the Great Commission is as you are going, make disciples. That's the ministry we're called to. So no matter where you find yourself in that context, fulfill your ministry. So be, endure, do, and fulfill. It's all active. And obedience is active. We return to the truth when we obey scripture. Obedience requires action. We have to be sober-minded. We have to endure suffering. We have to do the work of an evangelist. And we have to fulfill the ministry that God has called us to. And you may be in a place right now where you're saying, hey, Pastor Jay, I hear you. I believe that God's word is true. I'm doing my best to follow God's word. But honestly, I don't, I don't always understand what I'm reading. I can't always make sense of what it is that, that scripture is trying to convey. And I need a little bit of help with that. Well, I've got something for you. I'm currently in school working on a degree because my wife says I'm a glutton for punishment and I'm going to be in school until I die. And she may be uh, right about that. I don't know. We'll see. But in this current degree I'm working on, part of of my dissertation has to do with why we don't engage with Scripture, like how the church, how people in the church, specifically in America, have disconnected from the Bible, disconnected from God's Word. And a big part of the reason is what's called biblical illiteracy. Like oftentimes we can't interpret what we're reading. Like we don't understand it. It doesn't make sense because we're looking at it through the lens of our culture, through the lens of our experience. And so we don't have a real connection with it. And so part of what I had to do in school to, to address some of this was I created this how-to video. How-to is called How to Study the Bible for Spiritual Formation. Um, and the, again, the goal of spiritual formation in this video, understanding that spiritual formation is the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, in our lives, in your life, and in mine, conforming us to the image of Christ that results in us submitting to God's will and engaging with His Word. And so in this video, and you can find it on my YouTube channel, at JBlizzardVA, um, this video will walk you through, it's about 15 minutes long, how you can study God's Word for spiritual formation. It'll walk you through things like understanding the context, which if you remember earlier in the message, I had a slide up here that said context, and it talked about who the author was and the recipient and and the type of scripture it was. It's going to walk you through those types of things so that you can pick up the Bible. And any passage of scripture you turn to, you'll be able to 
pull out a few pieces of information to know to help you properly interpret that scripture and apply it to your life. Because if all scripture is breathed out by God and it's profitable, then all of this is profitable to us in some way. We need to know how to mine out that gold, how to mine out that truth so that we can take that profitableness and apply it to our lives so that we can be complete and equipped for every good work. And I believe that if this is something, church, that we're willing to invest our time in, if we're willing to invest in doing, then we will begin to see the benefits or the profitableness of God's word in our lives. It doesn't mean that everything is going to magically get better overnight, but what it does mean is that we are then presented with an opportunity to say, God, I'm going to live by your word. I'm going to abide in your word, Jesus, and have your word abide in me so that people will know that I'm your disciple and I'm going to live like I'm your disciple and that you have your way in me and will obey God's word and return to the truth. So where are you at today? Are you that person who has rejected God's word? Maybe you've just there's some parts that you didn't like and you tried to rewrite God's word. Or maybe you're that person who's like, Pastor Jay, I know I'm not walking in full obedience to God's word and I want to walk in full obedience. Wherever you find yourself at today, the key for us is to return to the truth, to obey scripture, to return to the truth and to understand that all scripture is profitable. It's breathed out by God. He wrote this for us, for you and for me, and it's profitable so that we can learn from it, so that we can be corrected by it, so we can be restored by it, and we can be trained by it, so that we can be complete, complete, that that idea of completeness in Christ and equipped for every good work. So no, no matter where you find yourself at today, the key is to return to Scripture, to obey Scripture, to return to the truth. And God will meet you right where you are. But I want to pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your people. I thank you for your church. I thank you for your word. I thank you that your word is a lamp to our feet and a light unto our path. And I thank you that you use your word to illuminate the way that we should go, Father. So I pray over your people right now that wherever we find ourselves, Lord, for those who are trying to rewrite scripture, I pray that you would rebuke them, that you would correct them in that moment. For those who have rejected scripture, I pray that through your Holy Spirit that you would convict them and call them back to yourself and that you would give all of us a heart to obey scripture, not just the parts we like, but all of scripture. And that as we obey it, we return to the truth and people will know that we're your disciples and that our lives would would show the benefits, the profitableness of being engaged with your word, all of it in a meaningful way. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We thank you because you're worthy of all the praise. Jesus, it's in your name I pray. Amen. Amen.